0: The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month, he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. For the month of March on The Compliance Life, I visit with Rob Chesna. Rob was most recently the Chief Compliance Officer at Airbnb. Rob has had a long and distinguished legal career, starting out with the U.S. Attorney's Office. moving across the country to join eBay in the 1990s. He worked in Silicon Valley for the next 20 years or so. In 2016, he moved to Airbnb as their general counsel and later moved to take over the role or take on the role of the chief ethics officer. He also wrote the best-selling book, Intentional Integrity. It's a really fascinating podcast series Rob has a unique journey, as do all chief compliance officers. I know you will enjoy this series, and more importantly, you will learn a lot about uh, being an in-house lawyer, a chief compliance officer, and a chief ethics officer. Plan to join us over the month of March for The Compliance Life. These podcasts post each Tuesday at 2 p.m. In this part three, we take a look at Rob's move to Airbnb. In 2016, he became the general counsel. He later became the chief ethics officer at Airbnb. He talks about the top three things he learned as the chief ethics officer and what that means for ethics officers going forward. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox back for another episode of This Month in the Compliance Life. I'm visiting with Rob Chestnut. Rob, first of all, welcome back. Thanks for having me. So, Rob, in 2016, you moved to Airbnb as the general counsel. I was wondering if you could give us a sense of what it was like in the early days from your perspective.
1: Well, you know, uh, Chegg, uh, I had been at Chegg for about six years and taking the company public when Airbnb approached me. Uh, and Airbnb at this point was uh, a good, good-sized company. You know, they had a legal department of about 25 people, I think. Uh, but the the general counsel, Belinda Johnson, was the first lawyer at, at the company, and the company needed her to to do more than just legal work. And so she needed somebody to come in and take the legal department to the next level. So uh, I, I left JED and went to eBay, and you know, ultimately built the legal department out from it was around 25 people when I joined. Uh, and about four years later, we were at one hundred and fifty people uh, with legal uh, legal professionals in twenty one offices around the world. You know, it, it was a it was a great ride. You know, like Airbnb is a terrific company with a, a neat mission, and but there are a lot of challenges, you know, a lot of interesting legal issues. And uh, I was fortunate enough that the company was very supportive in you know, letting me get first class people into place all around the world to address those challenges.
0: What led you to take the role of chief ethics officer at Airbnb?
1: So, you know, it was actually uh, something that came out of what was going on at Uber. You know, I, I've been general counsel for a, a while at, at Airbnb, and noticed that there were a lot of a lot of articles in the press about bad behavior by leaders, companies all around the world. It, it was increasing sexual harassment, Me Too movement. Uh, and one company that uh, was the target of a lot of this was Uber. And look, Uber was right down the street from Airbnb, you know, and they were often talked about. Uber and Airbnb, you know, they they were founded around the same time, and were were uh, both platform businesses. And I was looking at the problems that Uber was having. Uh, a woman by the name of Susan Fowler who wrote who written who a blog post about a number of the, the uh, bad activity and dis- discrimination and sexual harassment at Uber. And I remember reading it and thinking, you know, that could happen anywhere. And it, it, it struck me that the world was changing and expectations were changing for leaders. People were no longer satisfied with the companies that just made money. People were no longer satisfied that leaders just were getting the stock price up. Uh, behavior that had been swept under the rug in the past was now being called out. Look, Tom, when you and I were, were growing up, there were three news stations, right? ABC, NBC, and CBS. Today, everybody is their own news station and everybody carries their own camera crew around in the palm of their hand. It's called a cell phone. And everybody's got a blog post. And look, that means everything is constantly under the microscope, particularly when you're at a larger company. And that means I think that companies need to uh, be vigilant in ways that they've never had to be vigilant before to make sure that they're proud of the way that they do business. And I I remember reading about Uber and thinking to myself, wow, that could happen at Airbnb. Somebody better do something about it. And then it struck me in another moment, I started laughing. I said, I wonder who that somebody would be. Uh, We didn't have a chief ethics officer back then. I think at the moment we, we uh, didn't even have a head of HR at the moment, we had lost one and we're in the process of finding another one. So I, I went to talk to Brian Chesky, you know, the founder of Airbnb. And you know, Brian looked at me and you know, asked the key question as Brian is really good at doing. He said, how do you drive integrity into the culture of a company? And I thought about it. And a lot of the, the things that I had seen at, at previous companies Uh, things like, you know, have a code of conduct. Well, a code of conduct itself doesn't really drive integrity into the culture of a company. Frequently, it's something the law firm gives you. Or worse, you copy it off the internet from some other company, right, and you put your own company's name up top, and then you email it out to everybody and tell them to check a box saying that they've read it. Well, that doesn't really have an impact on how people are going to operate. Or, you know, you've got your compliance posters on the wall in the break room that nobody reads. Uh, I, I started wondering, well, if you really want to drive integrity into the culture of a company, that's not the way you do it. Uh, And Brian looked at me and said, you know, go big. And so I walked out of his office that day and thought, okay, we got to look at this problem in a different way. And so while I was the general counsel, I started building out a program, an integrity program at the company, really not knowing what the response would be. Uh, I was worried that people would say, oh, yeah, this is some old guy, some lawyer just trying to tell us what to do. But the response I got was incredible. It was quite different. It turns out that people want more than just a paycheck when they go to work. People also want to be proud of what they're doing. They want to feel as though they're making an impact in the world that's really positive. And they want to be part of something that aligns with their own values. So when I started talking about integrity to employees and started you know, specifically addressing the sorts of things that were getting other companies in trouble, uh, I got a very powerful, positive emotional reaction from people. Uh, literally, I, I had some people coming up to me after some integrity talks that we did, literally in tears. And it it started to work its way into the fabric of the company and the conversation people didn't think of me as the general counsel they really started talking they, they said rob's the video guy because we would make integrity videos for example and the, so uh because of the success of this program i i ended up taking on the additional title of chief ethics officer and i uh, something that i found that i was really enjoying and something i thought was really impactful
0: let me see if it's even more basic than that. Because if we consider the founders of Airbnb and the founder of Uber, it seems to me, at least from what I've read, uh, that Brian was a complete, had a completely different focus and that it really started with him and the question he asked you and the vision he had for Airbnb. Because I think Travis Kalinek went in a completely different direction at Uber
1: yeah I think a lot of young entrepreneurs focus on one thing how can how can I get really big really fast? And Brian was not that way, and I think it it started uh, a lot earlier. you know a lot of folks don't realize Brian didn't go to business school like Brian never even worked at a company until he started Airbnb. Brian's parents were social workers in upstate New York, so you know Brian grew up i think with a a strong sense in his own home of the importance of doing things for others. And he went to design school. And in design school, uh, he went to uh, the Rhode Island School of Design, where they focus on something called ethical design. So design, for example, that's bad for the environment is bad design. And so Brian, I think, uh, unlike a number of, of other you know, entrepreneurs, that's not to say that other entrepreneurs are necessarily unethical. Some are and some aren't. But Brian, I think, came at it from with a different perspective than I think a lot of other leaders. And I think it's one that's served Airbnb actually really well. And that is Brian Brian doesn't put money first. Brian, if, if, uh, if you ask Brian uh, to do something that would drive the stock price up 10%, Most executives would jump at it and do it no matter what. Brian would look at it and really ask, is that aligned with our mission? And is this in the best long-term interest of all of our stakeholders? So I think he's asking different questions, and looking at things differently that I think will serve the company well uh, for many years to come.
0: So what are two to three of the top things you learned kind of uh, evolving from the chief legal officer to the chief ethics officer.
1: Well, if if a company has if if a company has integrity in its culture, uh, it makes your compliance program better. Uh, you know, because I think compliance is great. People want to uh, to comply with the law because that's what the law says. Integrity is about doing the right thing, regardless of what the law says. And frequently, it goes beyond the law. Integrity, I think, speaks to your heart. It speaks to what you're passionate about, speaks to your values. And so if you have a company where integrity is woven into with a culture, it makes your compliance efforts uh, more effective uh, because people are automatically bought into doing the right thing. People are not... Constantly fighting this idea of you know uh, will it uh, you know will it drive an extra dollar of revenue because you know money's important but it's not the only thing that's important and if your company thinks that way right from the beginning and has integrity in the way that it it operates uh, I think it makes compliance a lot easier uh, and, and I think it makes you it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes you know they, you can uh, you can ethics and integrity can be gray. You can end up doing doing something that later in hindsight doesn't look right, doesn't look smart. Uh, you can uh, lose your way from time to time, but I think you're less likely to have problems.
0: So Rob, unfortunately, we are near the end of our uh, time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode, our concluding episode, where we take a look at the veiled land of the future. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up another episode within The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.